Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. I'm here and it's Facebook Live every Tuesday at seven o'clock and it's deleted me because I was late. So I've had to re put all the details in. So um, I don't know what that involved, that deleting thing, but I think I, I did a broadcast post and then it gives you 10 minutes to comply. And then if you don't comply within 10 minutes, because I was at theatre and I thought, shall I come home? Shall I do it in the clinic? But last time I did it in the clinic, the um, internet connection was terrible. So um, this is me, Jonathan Stiano, uh, live Q&A. Uh, got some questions here tonight, and I am going to pull them up from my pre-designated area where I have them somewhere here. Here, here we are. Um, good evening, Jade. Nice to see you here. Um, we have got a question here which says, I have lots of skin to sort out after ditching weight. I've not lost it. I don't want the I don't want it back. What order would you work in? Which bits would you do first? And how many procedures can you do in one go? So um, the order that you do it in doesn't matter really. Um, in from surgical ter in the surgical terms the so i would go on what areas affect you most usually after weight loss it's the tummy the tummy the sort of value value for money areas are tummy and breast and so weight loss it's usually a, a breast lift to tighten the skin of the breast and a tummy tuck to remove the skin of the tummy and um, sometimes if the breasts want, need to be bigger, then it's a breast augmentation. So it's some kind of combination of things. So it's usually breast and tummy, which you can do at the same time or, oh, here we go. The next part of the question, how many bits would you do in one go? So, it, you know, usually the tummy is the main problem or the breast. Those are the sort of main areas. So I would just address the main areas first. The also the tummy and the breast are good because you hide the scars. The tummy tuck scar is hidden in your underwear. The breast scar is hidden in your bra. Um, the other sorts of areas that people don't like when they've lost weight are things like their thighs and their arms. And those operations create more scarring or at least not more scarring, more visible scarring. The arm gets a scar going down there, the leg often needs a big scar if you lost a lot of weight big scar down the medial part of your leg so it's a bit more visible those scarring's a bit that those scarrings those scars are a bit more visible and so less um popular i would say so not you know um that the main popular operations are um tummy and breast and um but I, but I would say it depends on the person. I mean, if your really, arms really bother you, there's no point in having your tummy back done because, you know, I've, I've said so, have whatever you want done first. So what order would you work in? So, or which, and how many procedures can you do in one go? So um, 
there there's limitation surgically and there's limitation from you as well so from your point of view it's a big op having more procedures in one go but i can understand how people want it done because they just want to have one recovery and just get it over with it's quite common to have a tummy and a breast procedure in one go depends on what you need to your tummy so there's different levels of tummy tuck mini tummy tuck full tummy tuck and then circumferential tummy tucks or extended tummy tucks which go all the way back and they get increasingly bigger operations so um you can still have that with a with the breasts. One thing you've got to think about is positioning on the table. So, like you say, how many position, how many operations can you have in one dose? Sometimes people don't like rolls of fat on their back. Um, but if you're having sort of a tummy operation and a breast operation, and you don't want rolls on your, you, and you want the rolls on your back addressed, you have to think about positioning. So, if you can access all the areas in one position so if you're lying on your back and you can access the breast and the tummy relatively easily then it makes the surgery a lot easier if you have to rotate the patient if you have to turn you on your front to operate on your back that adds a significant extra level of complexity and so i would probably say look you're better off having the front stuff done and then the back stuff done later unless of course it's all in one circumferential tummy tuck sort of thing um so that would limit the amount of procedures and also the length of anesthetic um you know so it is common to combine procedures um you can combine a breast lift with an arm lift you can combine a tummy tuck with a thigh lift but um i think it would be a little bit unsafe to do a sort of arm lift and a th breast lift and a tummy tuck and a thigh lift sort of all in one go so you'd probably want to stick with certain certain areas just because of length of time you know these operations take a few hours each so um i say so you know two three hours for each operation so you know four to six hours for for a tummy and a breast is sort of you know quite a long operation but then if you want to do a tummy and a breast and an arm i think that would be too much so i would probably limit it to sort of two things at the same time you can do some liposuction to some areas but i would limit it to sort of two main areas so tummy breast arms thighs i guess are the main areas that need addressing and i would do sort of two two is what, what i would recommend oh here we go jade's in jade's in straight in number one jade is there a minimum bmi straight weight for someone to have weight loss surgery such as a gastric sleeve or bypass yes jade i think there is um Jade, this isn't my field, so I would treat people after they've had their bypass, after they've had their weight loss, um, to do body contouring surgery, like the stuff we're talking about, the breast and the tummy and all that. Um, but I wouldn't do the bariatric surgery. I wouldn't do the gastric sleeve or the bypass. That's a bariatric surgeon who's usually, who, well, pretty much always is a general surgeon by training who then specializes in bariatric surgery. But um, I think there is. Um, Oh, well, and I think it's different, obviously, in the NHS and in the uh, in the private sector. And I think um, oh, I'd be making these up. I think it's something like forty in the um, in the NA in the NHS, but I think it's lower in the private sector, maybe sort of thirty-five or something. I don't know, Jade. But you're probably best off working in your local private hospital. They'll know um, if they, you know they've got bariatric surgeons there. They'll know. But sorry, Jade, that's not really my thing. The the bariatric surgery the weight loss surgery i fix people once they've had the weight loss but i don't do the weight loss surgery um but thanks for your question if i could thumb you up i would thumb you up. that's all right give you a thumbs up but i can't on this thing um so because i've got this fancy system but if you notice from the frame i added that myself the frame and the little picture where's the picture no is it there there's the picture yeah. and the uh, little thing of the question there um yep 
no expense spared. I've had some comments about my beard being asymmetrical. You know who you are? Hmm. Is it asymmetrical? Anyway, done my best. Um, the importance of diet post tummy tuck. This was a question from last week, which I missed. Sorry. Slightly off topic. Not sure what the topic was, but something. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. Something. Let's start that again. The importance of diet post tummy tuck. So, uh, great question. Slightly off the topic. Something you might consider in the future for patients opting for abdominoplasty is advice diet-wise post-op. I researched a lot for myself, but I know others who have gone in clueless, so to speak. By this, I mean the importance of drinking lots of water, the use of Movicol sachets, light, high-fiber meals, arnica tablets, etc., etc., all of which helped me immensely in a very quick recovery after general anesthetic strokes, stitches, etc., etc. Yeah, good point. Do we, 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 yeah, perhaps we don't advise people enough about this sort of stuff. Sort of advise you when you're in hospital, but very good point. So, um, abdominoplasty is one of those ops. Um, after any op operation, there's a risk of, uh, op being short for operation, there's a risk of, um, constipation. And that's why I always say to people, be careful with the painkillers. And this is on the, all the postal instruction sheets. If you have, um, pain obviously take painkillers but don't take them regularly if you don't need them particularly codeine based painkillers like codeine phosphate cocodamol coproximol um, things like that those are those are opiate painkillers and they will constipate you they can also make you feel dizzy they can make you feel sick but the constipation can be a real problem after any operation but it's a particular problem after tummy tuck can you imagine being constipated and having to sort of strain and having had a tummy tuck disaster so you've got to be really careful with that so i like things like ibuprofen and paracetamol if that can control the pain certainly with a tummy tuck i say could it crunch over more because um constipation is an issue so this movicol thing and you know um stool softeners and like um things that'll help you with your bowels is a very good thing after a tummy tuck to keep everything moving um also getting up and about light high fiber meals like it steal that sentence um or phrase uh arnica tablets now arnica is a really interesting one some people do talk to me about arnica and say can i use arnica and i say yeah you can use arnica no problem at all a lot of people say it's really good and really helps with the bruising i um don't particularly recommend it to people um i don't tell them to use it um because bruising isn't much of an issue unless you're having like if you're having liposuction then bruising can be an issue but it's not a huge issue for most ops like breast augmentations tummy tucks sometimes you do get some bruising and there's no harm in using an arnica but it's not something i particularly recommend i don't know if it's got any side effects um but you know i don't really recommend something unless it's going to benefit but a lot of people anecdotally say that arnica is good and uh, is a useful thing to have so yeah i mean uh, arnica light high fiber meals movicol or other sort of um uh, laxatives if you like to help you keep keep everything moving is a really good thing getting up and about and moving is a good thing um keeping mobile is really important and um and um something else that um yeah um so yeah moving uh is also good to keep the blood circulating what have you can also be a problem after a tummy tuck um so we got another question here why such a big range of prices for exchange of implants? I would like implants removed, re-put in an IMAX, Tipex. I think this must be predictive text. Say I am 59 size 12, but everything is going south. I have the band 
band okay band band implants allegan textured december 2009 they were putting the need to come out at 300 in each breast meant i would like new implants in and a mastopexy as both breasts are sagging due to my age need some of the built-up fact taken out skin cut back and redone think that is what mastopexy means right okay so i've put this question in because this patient has um asked for a price for changing implants and the problem is when we give people a price for changing implants we say price for removing implants okay and not putting back that's easy then we say price for changing implants but also price for changing implants and mastopex uh, sorry price for changing implants and capsulectomy so there's two prices price for changing implants and price for changing implants and a capsulectomy now we talked a couple of weeks ago about on block capsulectomy and removing implants if you're just removing implants and not replacing them capsulectomy is not so much of an issue but if you're removing implants and replacing them then you might need to do a capsulectomy which increases the risks and increases the time of the surgery and makes it a much bigger operation when you do a capsulectomy and it increases the price more importantly so the price for a capsulectomy is a lot more expensive than just exchange of implants so if you've had the implants in just a few years and the implants are nice and soft then there's no problems and you probably won't need a capsulectomy you can just take the implants out put new ones in again you might need to do something to the capsule but not remove the whole of the capsule if you have got a problem with hard breasts and hardness around your breast then you may need a capsulectomy where that all that scar tissue needs to be removed and that's a big deal that's then a big op um to remove all that scar tissue put new implants back in that's called a capsulectomy so that's why those two there's two prices there so with and without capsulectomy it's a lot more expensive with capsulectomy so implants have been put in for a long time these ones have been in for 10 years so there may well be a capsule around them the other um price thing is the mastopexy so a mastopexy is a lift. So sometimes if you're removing the implants, particularly if you're not replacing them or if you're downsizing them or if over the years your breasts have sagged, then you might need an, um, a mastopexy to tighten the skin. So indeed, a mastopexy is the name given to tightening the skin. So then you've got a prices for removing or exchanging the implants and mastopexy. And then you've got now prices for exchanging the implants and capsulectomy and mastopexy. And then you've got different types of implants you can use. So you've got uh, silicone implants, which are one price. You've got polyurethane foam implants, which are another price, which are more expensive. And then you've got B-Lite implants, which are more expensive. Again, the light silicone implants. So you've got three different prices of implants. So it is a bit of a minefield. So we tend to just say prices from this for exchange of implants. I think we give a price for exchange of implants and exchange of implants with capsulectomy. But it gets, but you may need a mastopexy and that'll be a different price. So that's why I wanted to explain why it looks like we're like, oh, you know, when someone says, what's the, I want new implants, what's the price? And we might look a bit cagey by saying, oh, well, you know, it depends what you have done, you know, from this and what you have done. It really needs, probably really needs a consultation to see exactly whether you need a capsulectomy or not and whether you need a mastopexy or not. And if you're going to have your implants changed, what sort of implants you want to have them changed to. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up. So Jade is back in. Sorry. Oh, God, dear, I'll tell you what, it's been all go today. It hasn't really been all go today, to be honest. But it's just a rush at the end. I'm annoyed I got here late, sort of thing. Anyway, ah, oh, Jade. Ah, oh, sorry. I didn't even think. How are breast implants inserted? I've seen some under the nipple and some through the bottom of the breast. Is this a personal choice or where the implants are placed? Um, mm, 
personal choice to a degree to be honest with you jade it's usually up to the surgeon and there are different places the implants can be uh different incisions you can make good question by the way jade came straight back with a very good question um there's different places you can put the implants and places you can put them um so you have to make an incision somewhere that's the first thing to say you have to have a scar and so the various places you can this are first of all inframammary fold the fold where the bra sits which i think what you're describing there is the bottom of the breast um that's the one that i use most often to be honest um but that's number one number two as you say underneath the nipple a u-shape infra areola it's called a u-shape incision where the areola is uh, number three armpit transaxillary uh and the other one that people talk about um is the belly button but the belly button is um, transumbilical breastal mutation tuba but that's really just for saline implants because you put them in they blow them up when you're in there which is we don't really use in this country they use them in america we don't really use them here so the uh, belly button get that one so basically it's um breast fold infra areola and armpit are the three and there are good things and bad things about all of them there are people out there doing all all of them or you know they're, they're all being done so it's not like one's best so if someone says this is the best one I'll be like, well, why does the guy down the road do the other one? You know, so there's good and bad about all of them. Now, um, in this country, and me personally, I prefer the infra um, mammary, which is in the fold of the bra. I prefer that one, and, and most surgeons, I think, in this country do that one. But I, um, I prefer that one because it uh, gives good access to the breast. Uh, it's easy to control this bit here, the cleavage area. You can see it quite easily. Um, you don't really touch the breast too much, whether you're putting the implant in front of or behind the muscle. You're sort of putting, you're not really cutting through any breast tissue. Um, sorry, itchy nose. So I like that one. And the scar fades really well. It is quite obvious to start off with. The, pe the reason people don't like it is because there is a scar on the breast. There's no question about it. You lie on the beach or you lie in your, arm, in your arms up and go like that. There is a scar there. And um, that is why some people say, well, I don't want that scar there. I'll be like, fine, okay. Well, there are other air, other ways you can do it without putting that scar there. So num next, number two, infra areola, the one you're talking about, below the nipple, U-shaped areola incision. That heals brilliantly. There, um, it, and because it's healed on the interface between the brown of the areola and the sort of paler skin of the of the breast, um, it it fade it blends in really well and can be really really hard to see i use it all the time for gynecomastia for men breast tissue removal um i don't really use it for in breast augmentation personally again they tend to use it more in america um i don't know why the countries i don't know if it's relevant the countries that use it it's just that they they do um the reason i don't like it is because um first of all you have to cut through breast tissue in, need, in order to get to that um plane underneath the breast um so it's a bit more traumatic because you're cutting through breast tissue you are cutting the the you below the nipple so there's more risk of alteration of sensation of the nipple and whilst it is a fantastic scar that fades beautifully if it doesn't and if you do get any problems with the scar the scars on the front so as i say it usually fades fine but if it doesn't fade fine you have any problems with the scar it's right on the front of the breast it's on your nipple whereas the one infra inframammary is sort of underneath your breast yeah it's quite hard to see so it's a bit i would suggest that it's a you know if, the, if there's a problem with this guy it's a better place and it does tend to settle well the other place you can put the sky is the armpit and again there are people out there again on the continent usually in europe people use the armpit incision um so again i can't say it's a bad thing um because people 
themselves could reuse it so they wouldn't use it you know if, they, if it was a bad thing and uh you know they get good results with it sorry and that's fine and the reason i don't personally use the armpit is um it is quite far from the armpit to get here to get to the cleavage area and it's really important for me it's really important to get a nice cleavage that's really the point of the operation and also there's some quite big blood vessels here so i worry about any bleeding in those blood vessels it's hard it would be hard to control from the armpit that's just me you know people who use it use the armpit one will say to you oh no that's fine i can do it and look at these great results i've got and the beauty of the armpit one is there's no scar on the breast so i can totally understand why it's a a favorable one um the problem is the scar is in the armpit which is not a great place for a scar it's a bit hot and sweaty there's a risk of it not healing up very well but you could argue it doesn't matter so much because it's hidden in the armpit so um that's where i am i mainly use the inframammary scar for those reasons but there are surgeons that, and i'll say is go for a surgeon who is good and has got experience in using the incision you want because i've had people come to me and want the transaxillary want the armpit one and i'd be like well that's not me, you know, going for someone who's not saying it's bad, but I, if I did it, I will probably wouldn't do it very well because I've not done it very often. And so I've done loads of the ones with that, that one. So I'm much more familiar with it. So if you find a surgeon who's good at it, by all means, I know a guy, I know a couple of guys, but there are overseas um, who do it. But, um, you know, if you find someone who's got good experience with it, then that's then go with them because um, as I say, there's nothing bad about it. It's just different strokes for different folks. Roxana has done something. Is that clapping? Thank you. Clap yourself back or clap back at you. Keisha says, good evening. I have an appointment soon at your clinic and I can't wait either. Uh, Keisha, when do you when do when you do a tummy tuck, do you repair the tummy muscle? Very good. So um, good question. I mean, very good. Very, very good. Um, Keisha, the um, yes, you well. You do what is necessary, uh, Keisha. The reason people need a tummy tuck is usually weight loss and or well, not and or uh, children. These things have stretched the skin of the tummy and the stretching forcing goes and, and you're left with excess skin. Now, when it's stretched the tummy, often the rectus muscles, your six pack, two muscles that go, I would demonstrate, demonstrate on myself, you know, uh, two muscles go straight down. Yeah. Yeah. These two muscles, they often have lines going that way but that's just lines on the muscles the muscles are actually going straight down sometimes when you've uh, had children or, or put on weight those muscles split split apart so we do call it a repair of the muscles but when we're sort of not repairing them we're just bringing them closer together it's called divarification of the rectus muscles um technical term there just to impress you my technical wizardry um so sometimes those rectus muscles, often I would say those rectus muscles are apart. You can tell yourself, if you put your hand there, put your hand above the belly button, just above the belly button in the midline, and lift your head up off the, lie flat on your back, and lift your head up off the bed, or do a straight leg raise, keep both legs straight and lift them both up off the bed. Just try and tense the muscle and see if there's a gap between the, the rectus muscles. Now, obviously, when we do the surgery of a tummy tuck, we can see that exactly. We can see the, the, the rectus muscles and see if there's a gap. Um, there's supposed to be a little gap, but it's only supposed to be little. So if it's a bit wide, we will bring them back together. And that is what we call a repair of the muscles. Not say we're not really repairing them. We just bring them closer together. And that is pretty, um, it's usually the case, not all, not 100% of the time, but it's usually the case. But um, the other thing is it does make it a little bit uncomfortable. So sometimes when you have the surgery, you get discomfort going up to your breastbone, your zip is sternum here. 
up here because the repair goes all the way up there in the midline so that can make it a little bit uncomfortable a bit uncomfortable to cough you know every time you cough and things like that you're pulling on those muscles so it can make it a bit more comfortable but you often do need to repair those muscles as part of a tummy tuck you don't have to pay extra you don't particularly have to ask for it or anything well you can ask for it or talk about it but you don't have to ask for it it's just a routine part of the uh, tummy tuck we would look at those muscles and assess them and, and bring them back close together if required Rosada, give me a wave to say hello, so you know I'm here and listening. Love your live Q and A. That's a wave. I would. Well, look, Roxana, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look for a wave right back at you. Where's the wave emoji then? Hmm. I don't know if I've got one. Well, that was. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with the wave emoji. Well, I think I am, but it looks different to your. Can I just type in wave? Anyway, thanks for Roxana. I. I tell you what, Roxana, you know what I am on. Uh, that's not it, is it? No, no, that's not the wave emoji. Um, I am on. Right. Oh, I think that's my. I think that will be my way. Keisha, thank you for coming to the clinic, and we can't wait to see you. And how do I get that off? And uh, looking forward to welcoming you to the. Oh God to the clinic and so oh actually that is the same as your one isn't it that's your one yeah well you straight back at you that was worth it um last question guys one the last question here oh hello to say if you've got any questions get them in because i am on my last question here so you know let's have keisha you must be thinking something else about tummy tuck come on let's have some other questions um roxana get yourself a question out there jade you've had two questions tonight so you got the gold star at the moment jade two in different areas where's the breast implant scar and minimal bmi for bariatric surgery nice so um actually this is a question we've uh, had on the Facebook, what are your thoughts on having a mastopexy and implants done in the same operation? Yeah, that is a good question. That is an informed person asking that question. They've obviously been around. They know what they're doing. Um, so I have got thoughts about this and it is a controversial is the wrong word. So I'm not going to use it. I'll use a different word. It is a area of uh, discussion amongst plastic surgeons. Um, there is a word. So it is an area that we do we do talk about uh, at meetings, and people write papers on it. What should you do? And some surgeons will do it in one operation, and some people won't do it in one operation. The reason being that mastopexy and implants is a lot to do to the breast. It is one of the bigger operations you can do to a breast. And what the 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 um, the, the, the problems with it are when you do a mastopexy. You're making the skin as tight as you can. That's the whole point of a mastopexy. You want to make that skin tight and taut, and you want to remove that excess skin and make the skin tight and the breast tight. And when you put in implants, you're making the skin tight again. You're tightening the skin a double time. So you're making this, you're, you're doing the skin really tight with a mastopexy, and then you're putting an implant and making it tight, even tighter, tight, tighter, tighter. Cornish, Cornish coming out there. Brought up, brought up in Cornwall, as you can, I'm sure you can tell. Um, 
So um, the problem is when you do a mastopexy, because um, you've got sort of T-junctions of scars, you've, uh, and because it's tight, it's always a balance. Actually, to be honest with you, it's a balance with any plastic surgery or any sort of cosmetic surgery. A lot of the stuff we're doing is we're making skin tight. And because we're making skin tight, there's a risk that the skin can open up. If you make it too tight, it's going to open up. If you don't make it tight enough, it's going to still be saggy. So you've got to get the balance right. So um, your the, the tightness is um, makes it prone to wound breakdown. And um, if you've just had a mastopexy, the wound breakdown is bad, but it's not a massive problem. It's, you know, it's just unfortunate. Um, but if you put an implant in and you get the wound breakdown, then if you get an infection and the infection gets to the implant, you have to remove the implant. So it can be a bit of a nightmare. And for that reason, there's some very good plastic surgeons, well-respected senior plastic surgeons who do not do a mastopexy with implants. Um, so that that is why this question is being asked, because there's many people who won't do it and they've got good reason to and they would not be criticized for not doing it there is many people who would agree with them not to do it i do do it in one operation and i do offer it in one operation but i always say to people it's a big operation it's got a high risk of complications you're increasing your risk of complications by doing it all in one operation the reason i do it in one operation because if someone really is unhappy with the shape and the size of their breast they want the shape they want the breast lifted and they want them bigger then it's quite a big deal to say to them, look, you're going to have to have one operation, then you have to wait three to six months for the second operation, two lots of off work, two lots of paying, two lots of recovery. It's quite a big deal to say that to a patient. So if you're really sure you want it, then I do do it in one operation. But if you're not sure, and if you've got one problem as an overriding problem, so if you come and say, you know what, my breasts are really saggy, and you know, while I'm at it, I'd quite like to be a little bit bigger. I'd be like, why don't you just have a mastopexy and see if you're happy without having them a bit, bit bigger just have the mastopexy because if you want them a bit bigger you can always later on have them a bit bigger as i say a lot of people routinely do it in two operations so if you're on the fence similarly if you think you know what they're not that saggy and i'm not that they are a bit saggy um you know if they're really saggy you need a lift but if they're just a bit saggy um i'd be like well and you want them mainly to be bigger particularly if you want them to be a lot bigger the implants will to a degree will take up the slack skin and so you might say well look you know what implant you just have implants the shape probably won't be great the nipples will still but you're seeing a bit low you might probably want the nipples a bit higher but you don't want all the risks and complications associated with mastopexy why don't you just have implants in the first instance see how it looks and then you can always have a lift later on and as i say many plastic surgeons will do it that way routinely so for people who are borderline and thinking actually you know what's mainly the sagginess that worries me or you know what's mainly the size that worries me i'm not too bothered about the shape because i normally wear clothes and things like that um then you know yeah, you can do the mastopexy or the um, implants and i would encourage you to go down the one route if you're on borderline and then you can always have the other one later on so that's my um that's my take on it uh i do do it but i it's a big deal and I, there's well respected just because you if your surgeon said they won't do it doesn't mean they're a bad person it just means that they feel that the risks are not worth it so it's something to balance up and um good question like that question so Keisha said thank you which is kind Roxana said thank you double thank you uh evenings from Tracy Tracy big up yourself how you doing you may not be able to show us this week but can you show a silicone implant and a B-light implant side by side I can't show you this week Tracy because they're at the clinic I was going to do it at the clinic you know what I've been on time if I'd done it at the clinic but then I don't even remember last time I did it at the clinic the, the wi-fi was shocking it was all blurry all over the place so I came home but um but 
Tracy, can I roll that over? I've got to remember now. Be like, and what silicone implant? Yeah, there's not that much difference to be honest, Tracy. But I will do it. The main thing about B lights are they're white. They've um, tried to say if it's not white, it's not light. I think that's their. I don't know if it's a strap line, but um, the problem is polyurethane implants are a bit sort of white, it's all yellowy whites. They look a bit similar to polyurethane implants, but anyway, I will. Do, I will do that. That's good. 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 Get a bit of interaction there, Tracy. You like it, Keisha? Look at this. It's going crazy now. What is the best implants? You know what, Keisha? I if I'd had time today, it's funny you should say that because I was going to do a video. If oh, where is it? I've got I made a little plan for a video that I've that I was going to do today with exactly that. That was going to be the title: the best implant, the best breast implant. Um, and basically, the, the I don't want to spoil it. Well, no one's watching this anyway, so I'll, I'll say it: um, the best, best implant. I'll tell you the best implant. We can highlight this as being the thing about this Q&A. I, I, de I describe the best implant. The best implant is really, um, I've got, I haven't really thought this, <laughs> I haven't really thought through on how I'm going to do the video. So this is a good trial run. Um, but basically the point is there is no best implant. And when people talk about the best implant, they're talking about a make of implant. And, um, I was going to draw a little sort of graph, not a graph, a, a, a table. And basically, you've got to think about the coating and the contents. When you talk about the make, it's the coating and the contents. So um, all implants have got silicone. So the coating the, 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 or the shell of the implant, all implants are silicone implants, a silicone shell. So even saline implants have got a silicone shell. So people say, I don't want silicone in me. I want saline implants. You think, fair enough, but actually shell is still silicone but anyway so the shell is silicone and the shell is either smooth or textured or polyurethane coated and then you've got so that that's one one line and then the other line you've got the contents so the contents implants either saline or silicone silicone for implants medical grade silicone is only made in one factory in the world there's only one factory in the world that makes silicone in, silicone gel for breast implants it's in Texas and it so all implants don't matter what make they are have got that the same gel um, there is a slightly different gel in B-Light implants in that it is still silicone gel medical the medical silicone gel but it's got these little microspheres attached to it so make it a bit lighter so silicone implants are a bit um, uh, B-Light implants have got a slightly different gel but basically you've got saline or silicone um, gel. Now, if you want a um, if you want a polyurethane implant, or if you want a B light implant, there's only one manufacturer that makes it. That's Polytech. So you have to. Have, so it's easy. But if you want a uh, silicone or a saline implant, and if you want a smooth or texture, well, you can't have a saline implant that's textured. But if you want a smooth or textured implant, then there are different makes. As I say, I'm going to work this out when I do the proper video. I'm not. I'm going to be a bit more clear about it but there are different makes i think it might be better if i drew out the graph maybe i should scrap scrap the table but anyway there are different makes that make silicone textured and smooth implants um allegan you might have heard like earlier there's a um someone who's uh allegan who's talking about allegan implants earlier they've been taken off the market um so now we've got polytech make silicone implants uh nagor um, mentor uh seba um 
there's a several makes that make uh, polyurethane, uh, that make silicone implants. There's a few makes. And when someone says to you, well, this is the best one, I don't think there is a best one. If there was a best one, we'd all use it. The analogy I was going to use, I'm going to run this by you now, this analogy, see how, see how it flies, is like a car. It's like saying, what's the best car? A Mercedes or, or um, BMW, you know, or Lexus or what's the best? The reason that for you, you want to get the best result. You're going to get the best result based on the shape of the implant. It's like the car. There's loads of different BMWs, like, you know, one BMW one series versus a Mercedes S class or something. They're totally different. It's the shape that's important. What do you think of that? <laughs> so it's not so much the make. You have to get a good make, but it's the shape that's really important, not so much the make. Is that running that that, uh, that analogy? Do you like that? So it's the shape that's really important with the implant, not the make. You won't be able to tell if you've got a if you've got a, a mentor implant, or if you saw a patient who's got a mentor implant, or have got a Nagor implant, who's, or who's got a Polytech implant. You can't tell by looking what make of implant they've got. So people worry a lot about the make, but for me, the make's not important as long as it's one of these big companies. If it's one of the big companies, um, then I wouldn't be. I, I don't really have much of a view you'll find the people who've got a view about it are the people often who can only use one make of implant and they start telling you they're the best but um that's because that's the only one they make because their company's got to deal with the manufacturers we haven't got to deal with anyone we can use any, any implants we want now i say that uh, we have we are limited the hospital order the implants so the hospital have got a implants that they can order so some implants they can't order someone asked for some implants the other day i can't remember what they were now but the hospital couldn't order them. So like, okay, we can't use them. But they can use Seban, they can use uh, Mentor, they can use Nagor, they can use Polytech. So these are big companies. It's usually the smaller companies they can't use. So the big ones they, they can use. So I don't, I, they're slightly different with the warranties, slightly different with the way the texturing is applied. But as long as you use one of the premium ranged implants, and I say that because Allegan used to have a budget range called CUI, um, but you know, we, we only use the sort of premium ones with a lifetime warranty. Um, as long as you're using one of the main manufacturers, it is the important thing. The best implant is the, is the shape and the shape means whether it's teardrop or round and the profile, how much it sticks out and the width of the implant compared to your frame. So that, that's what's really important with implants and people get really hung up on makes. Well, they don't actually, but some people do get hung up on makes, but I wouldn't get that hung up on makes. Oh, I've heard the mentor are the best. Oh, I've heard the A and A are the best. You know, they're all they're all good. Um, but if you do think mentor's the best, whatever, that's fine. You can have mentor or Nagor or whatever. Personally, I tend to use Nagor simply because I know that. And people say, why? You know, the ret, why don't you use it? I use Nagor because I've been using them for years. I used them when I was in the NHS. I know the book. I know the range. I'm very familiar with it. If someone wants a mentor implant, I'll be like, no problem at all. You can have a mentor implant, but I have to get the book out and I have to just look at the dimensions to see. You know, I don't sort of know it off by heart. I just have to look. I don't know the range as well. That's the re that's simple as that. I think they're a good implant. They've got a good warranty, good company. But then, I, so so a mentor, you know. So, yeah, we've got some questions coming in now, thick and fast. Roxana's straight in here. Um, thigh lift with lipo, is it a difficult operation to perform? As it, is it higher risk than a TT? Have been quoted more than TT. Is that about right? 
Oh, God, I don't know about prices. I wouldn't be surprised, Roxana. Um, two things about the thigh lift. Number one is that it is um, less common than a tummy tuck. Uh, it's less, uh, we do them less than, a t than tummy tucks. Um, and the problem with the thigh lift is there's different types of thigh lift. There's one where you get a scar up in your groin and there's one where you get a bigger scar down your, down your leg. For me, I think the best lift is going to come with a big scar down your leg, but that is a quite a big operation, similar to a tummy tuck. You could argue it's more than a tummy tuck because you've got more stitching, because obviously you've got two legs to do, and the complication rate is higher because you're going up into the groin, risk of wound healing or what have you. Um, and is it so? Oh, that, that, I don't know what I was thinking. The um, it is a difficult operation to perform because we don't perform it as often. I think that's that, that's uh, I've often said there's no such thing as a difficult operation. There's only operations you know how to do and operations you don't know how to do. Um, I used to do microsurgery when I was in the NHS. I did these breast reconstructions. They took routinely took eight to 10 hours. If you did a bilateral one, it could take 10, 12 hours. Microscope, operating microscope, big operation, took ages. And so you might think that's difficult, but if you've done a lot of them and you're doing them all the time, it's not difficult because it's just following steps, following stages and just doing stuff. So the difficult operations are the one that you're less familiar with. So I think from that point of view, a Roxana, I would say yes, a Roxana is a, a tummy tuck, oh, a thigh lift is a difficult operation because we don't do them as often. Um, and it is a higher risk than a tummy tuck because you're going up into the groin, it's hot and sweaty in there. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is more than a tummy tuck. Um, yeah, is that helpful? Roxana, can liposuction be performed five months after a tummy tuck? I'm assuming you mean liposuction in the same area as a tummy tuck, do you mean? Um, now, that question saying, can it be done? Yes, it can be done. Now, that's my, I feel that might be a leading question, Roxana, because is that what you're are you saying in terms of a revision after a tummy tuck? Because if you think of a revision after a tummy tuck, if you've got a bit of a bulge or something there, what I would say is, look, just see if it's going to settle. Five months is rel you know, relatively soon. Three months is the minimum. Ideally, six months, to be honest with you, really 12 months for let, to let things really properly settle. So if you're talking about having a revision, if you think there's a bulge still somewhere, I would say it's not unreasonable, unless it's obvious bulge, to wait a bit longer, um, you know, six to 12 months, really, before thinking about revision, because there might be still some swelling there and it might settle. I know you probably think five months is a long time, might be some residual swaying. If you're saying, look, I had a tummy tuck and I want liposuction somewhere else in my body, I'm like, oh yeah, fine. You can have, you can have liposuction five months after. No problem at all. Helen, um, can liposuction be performed uh, five months after a tummy tuck? Hold on a minute. Wait a minute. That's the right. <laughs> Multitask your tilia. Dear, oh dear. Right, Helen. Sorry, Helen. I was misquoting you. How long would you leave skin necrosis after uplift slash implant before going back to surgery for debridement? Oh, Helen, it's a bad question. Obviously, Helen, I've got no experience of this whatsoever. What are you talking about? This is a bad situation, Helen, and this is why people you then you know I don't know if you're if this is you, but if, if you know why people don't do an uplift with implants because. This is a bad situation. So uh, terms like necrosis and debridement are like, oh my God, that's a terrible term. Helen, we don't like using those terms in cosmetic surgery because I mean, you can't get away from it. Things that these bad things can happen, but that is bad news. So I'll tell you my view on that, Helen. 
Um, there's two types of necrosis, dry necrosis and wet necrosis. So dry necrosis means it's black, sort of like a scab, really. And for dry necrosis, I would leave it. You know, I just leave it as long as possible. Wet necrosis, if it's wet, oozing, smelly, potentially infected, that's a different thing. You'd got to want to go wash it out, maybe clean it out. The problem is, uh, Helen, when you have a necrosis and you go back to theatre to debride that necrosis, it's it's almost like the perfect crime wound debridement because you can never take away too much. Because no one, you can only take away too little. If you take away too little and you leave some dead tissue behind, then it's bad news. So you can never sort of take away too much. But, I mean, <coughs> I would worry if you've got an implant in there. That is a worry. Is that implant okay? Um, if it's only a little bit of necrosis, then you know, maybe it is okay. But the worry is because you want to take away all the dead tissue, you're going to go as far as the dead tissue and then a bit further. So you're going to take away a bit more tissue than you would if you'd left it to to um, separate and heal on its own. So to be honest with you, unless it's like massive, I would, you know, the longer you leave it, the better. I mean, this is a difficult question because it's something that really you need to work with your surgeon because you don't want a patient getting really annoyed because they've had a dressing for a year, you know. So you might obviously want to go back and if, if things are healing but slow to heal you might debride it skin graft it something like that uh, if it's a big area of necrosis it's going to take ages but the general principle the longer you leave it the better especially if it's dry if you're well if there's no sign of infection the longer you leave it the better because then you can leave it to separate let the body let it separate and then you'll be leaving more tissue behind than you would if you had gone in and debrided it because you'd have debrided it back and the worry you start debriding it if the implant gets exposed then you'd have to remove the implant so you'd have to be consented for that i would have thought um if yeah, if the implant's still in, of course, your implant might be moving uh, already. But that's bad news, Helen. I'm sorry to hear that sort of question come up because that means you've had a problem. But um, but uh, yeah, I hope I hope all's well, Helen. I hope you're you're all right. If that is a problem that you're having, uh, Roxana's got a two stage question here. I like it. How long do second stage implants last before they should be replaced? Um, good question. A lot of people say ten years, don't they? Now, all the implants that we use have got a lifetime guarantee. They're built to last forever. The problem with implants, the main problem with implants is um, capsular contracture, going hard. There, And that can start to happen around five or ten years. But it doesn't, you don't have to have it changed if that starts to happen. What happens is the implants, first of all, you start to feel it. Then you can start to see it as, it, as a capsule, as a scar tissue contracts and it makes it into like a golf ball. And then it gets painful. That's the natural history of capsular contracture. And um, if that happens, you might want to have them changed. You don't have to have them changed. They say the person who first had the implants in, the first set of implants ever, Billie Jean May, was it, um, in the 1960s, has still got them in. They're probably really hard, but, you know, so you don't have to have them changed. But if they start to go hard, you might want to have them changed. Um so there's no sort of time on it. We keep an eye on you. We keep you on a yearly follow-up if you want. You don't have to keep on coming back, but just to see how you're getting on. But um, that's the main reason. The other reason you might want to have them change is rupture, which can happen at any time. It usually needs a significant amount of trauma, like a road traffic accident or something like that. You can get a silent rupture um, um, where you don't even know it's ruptured. But often if that's held within the capsule, it sort of doesn't matter quite so much as, as long as the breast shape is held. But... Um, 
so they may not need to be changed unless they go hard so that's the thing to say to, with someone who's got implants in and say look if you've got implants in i'd say to you don't worry about it if you get a problem let me know and we'll see if anything needs to be done if you're thinking of having implants put in on the other hand if you're the other side of it you haven't had implants put in i would say to you you should plan to need another operation you will probably need another operation at some point so you should plan for that you should budget for that because the second operation like i was saying earlier about the capsulectomy thing it's a lot more expensive than the first operation when you do a capsulectomy it's an expensive operation when you do a capsulectomy you have to move all that scar tissue so that is a big deal so um yeah tracy you can remind me um oh yeah of doing the be light implant good yep uh thank you sonia can you have more than one breast lift good question yes you can if you do anything like that so breast lift and breast reduction same sort of thing can you have another one then really what you would want as a surgeon what, what the surgeon would want is the op note the operation note of your first operation so ideally you'd want to know who well not necessarily who but where you had your first operation to sort of write to well ideally go to the same surgeon uh, that would be the best because they know exactly what they've done but failing that um if you know the details of the surgeon we would write to the surgeon and say, can we have a copy of the op note? And they're usually pretty good if you've got records. And um, because what you do when you do a lift is you isolate the nipple. You don't take the nipple off and put it back on again. You isolate the nipple on a stalk of tissue and then move, <coughs> move it up. So the stalk could be from the top, then swung up, or from the bottom and then pulled up. So the stalk is attached somehow. So if you've had one in the past, you want to use the same stalk because that's where the blood supply and the nerve supply is because the blood supply and nerve supply are more at risk of a with a revision mastopexy, a revision if you're doing a second lift because there's scar tissue around there. You've got more risks when you do it second time around, but you can do it second time around, but there are more risks associated with it and you really like, like to know what the, the way it was done first time around. Jade, Jade's on fire tonight. What is the difference between liposuction and Vader? Vader liposuction. Whoa, Vader. Vader. What do you I love it? Vader liposuction. I'm going to invent a Vader liposuction machine. Um, I think you mean Vaser. V A S E R, Jade. But Vader's a better, better. I think Vader. Vader actually is a lot better because Vaser sounds like laser, but it's not laser. Um, there is laser liposuction, but it's not called Vaser. It's called like smart lipo and things like that. But anyway so basically liposuction is sucking the fat out sticking a tube in and sucking the fat out there are some th ways that you can assist the liposuction and vaser liposuction uses ultrasound energy to disrupt the fat before sucking it out the good thing about that is that it uh you can use smaller cannulas smaller tubes because the fat is sort of liquefied a bit before you get to suck it out so you can use smaller tubes you can often be awake when you have vaser um, because it's sort of less dramatic, it's not quite such a big tube that uses to suck it out. And the other thing that they talk about when they do VASA, I don't do VASA, just full disclaimer. So I don't do VASA, so I really you need to talk to someone who does VASA, uh, is they say that because the ultrasound energy get, creates some heat, there might be some skin retraction when you do VASA. So therefore, sort of areas like the tummy, I'm like, uh, I wouldn't really do liposuction to those areas, but VASA liposuction, people say that it does create a degree of skin retraction. So on paper, it is good it is a bit as a surgeon it's a bit tedious you need a machine and and all that sort of stuff so I've, it's not, not something i've ever embraced personally because i i think the results you can get similar results to be honest with you i'm not sure how much better the results are um, but people do i think they've done a good job of the marketing the vaser so people do ask for it but um yeah so that's what vaser is and um 
not necessarily a bad thing. Speak to someone who does it and uh, get a proper opinion. Not that that wasn't a proper opinion, obviously. That was a proper opinion, but maybe not as proper as someone who does it. Um, Louise, good evening. You may not be able to answer, but would having an abdominal hysterectomy after a tummy tuck have any negative impact on the muscle repair? Thank you. <clears throat> I can answer that, Louise. Yeah, I can answer that. No, it wouldn't. Um, so the only thing I would worry about, so basically when you do the muscle repair of a uh, tummy tuck, as I say, you're not really repairing the muscle. You are bringing the two rectus muscles closer together. When they do a hysterectomy, they cut the muscle this way. Oh, they cut the muscle in a, they cut actually through the muscle to get into the abdomen. So they cut it in a different way. You're, you're repairing that way. They're cutting it actually through it that way. So they're not affecting your rectus repair. The only negative impact I would say if you're having an abdominal hysterectomy after a tummy tuck is they might mess up the scar. They'll probably use the same scar, but you know, we take a lot of care of stitching up our scars. So not that they don't, I'm sure they do, but um, the, so if you know you need a hysterectomy, I would say, look, why don't you have the hysterectomy first? And then I'll cut out that hysterectomy scar when I do my tummy tuck. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, no problem with the muscle repair because you're not, you're bringing the muscles together. They're actually cutting through the muscle at 90 degrees to where you're, where we've repaired it. No idea if I'm making, is that, yeah? So basically we bring the muscles closer together this way. They cut the muscle that way. They cut and go through, but we put them. Yeah, is that clear? Vaser, Jade. Yeah, Vaser. V-A-S-E-R. So, Sarah, is it worth having lipo after, after a tummy tuck so e-surgeons won't do both procedures at the same time? So e-surgeons. What are these e-surgeons, Sarah? These e-surgeons don't know what they're doing. So e-surgeons... I don't know why these e-surgeons won't do lipos. Ah, I know. Actually, I do. I retract that statement, Sarah. I think I know what you're talking about. So li I, liposuction with a tummy tuck is quite normal. I'm going to stand up again. Get myself moving. So liposuction with a tummy tuck is these bits here. That these, these, you can see these svelts. See my svelte figure. So these bits here where you do liposuction with a tummy tuck. This bit, you don't do liposuction. How's my audio? This bit, you don't do liposuction at the top, top of the tummy. Um, when you're doing a tummy tuck, or I don't anyway, I don't think many people do. I think, well, actually some people might, but we worry about doing that, uh, live such that way. But having said that, it often pulls down and it often, if you have got a bit of fullness there, it often pulls down and it's not too full once you've had a tummy tuck. But if it is a problem, you then may need to have live suction later to the upper abdomen because that's the skin flap that gets pulled down. So all the blood supply is in that skin flap. So you don't want to be sticking a liposuction like sucker in, which might interrupt the blood supply and affect the wound healing. That's the reason for it. Um, so yes, we, well, many surgeons, myself included, wouldn't do liposuction to the upper abdomen at the time of a tummy tuck. So I was disrespecting those e-surgeons, but now I feel bad because I, I am one of them. If it's indeed tummy upper abdomen, tummy lipo, you're talking about. Keisha, straight in. Can you, it's Keisha. Whoa. Can you have a tummy tuck and breast implants? The same thing. Yes, Keisha. What are you talking about? Mummy makeover, that is known as. M-O-M-M-Y, mummy. Oh, dear. American term. But yeah, a tummy procedure and a breast implant is normal. Is not normal, but it's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to do it all in one go because, um, 
people just want one recovery and, and just get it all over with. But it is a big op, I would say, Keisha. You have to, you know, take, it's a lot to take on, but it's not uncommon to do uh, to do them both together. Tracy, I love the analogy from breast implant to car. You know, minis are the best. Yeah, well, minis are a bit different because minis is only one one in the range. So, you know, I say, but if you said BMW and Mercedes, I think that's a good, you know, because there's a whole rate. So a BMW, you could have a small BMW versus a big Mercedes. It's totally different, you know. Thank you. I may, may have to do a bit of work on that analogy. Roxana, yes, after a tummy tuck. Um, what was, oh, liposuction performed five months after a tummy tuck. Oh, yeah. 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 So you can, you can have that. Now I can get these in order. Helen, thanks for your helpful reply. You're so much more helpful than my lady surgeon was. Wish I'd have come to you. Oh, Helen. Oh, those lady surgeons, honestly. <laughs> oh, well, that's kind, Helen. And um, well, I hope your lady surgeon's looking after you now. Um, that's kind words. Thank you. Sarah, is vasolipo most suitable for the chin area are, and on the older person over 40? Over 40? Older person? What are you talking about, Sarah? Over 40? Older person? That's not the older person, Sarah. Honestly, take that back. Retract that statement. Um, yeah, I think you can do laser, uh, sorry, laser on the chin, a bit of skin retraction. I don't, I don't know if it's most suitable for the, for the chin. Um, but, but I'm sure you can do vaser on the chin. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I say I don't do vaser. You can do vaser anyway. You can do normal liposuction on the chin as well. But yeah, maybe a bit of skin retraction will be good. So it might be good on the chin. Yeah, it probably would be. Um, yeah, 49 still. That's still 40s. That's all right. Young spring chicken. Louise, I've eased your mind so much. Louise, that is good to hear so you're going to have your yes don't worry about your um your hysterectomy it's going to be fine uh sarah whew, that was a rush guys oh thought i was going to get off early then so um thank you is that it jade listen jade couldn't have done it without you you're one of the early birds getting in there thank you for that um oh yeah look at this <laughs> i'm not a very good salesman i should have put these on earlier shouldn't i you know i've got a podcast I don't know if you guys use podcasts. Do you use podcasts? Anyway, this is all we turn into a podcast on iTunes. Look at this. Who put this on? Watch my daily vlog. It's not really a daily vlog. I have got a vlog on YouTube. It's not daily. I wanted it to be daily, but it's all too much to have it daily. But we have got a vlog. <laughs> I don't know if please comment, share. What's going on here? What's going on? What's happened when I turn my back? Wouldn't want to end up to with a turkey neck. Yeah, that is a point, Sarah. That is a point. Maybe maybe Vaser would be less likely to give you a turkey neck. I don't know. Um, speak to a Vaser person, but yeah. We wouldn't want a turkey neck, not for sure. D, late starter D. Do you offer abdomen lipo under local rather than general? My friend has complications for anesthetic. Yes. To be honest with D, it's amazing what you can do under local. Well, say local, local and sedation. But yes, local and sedation, you do. It can be a little bit uncomfortable because there's a bit of movement. So your friend, if it is your friend you're talking for, it, it is it is something they have to be sort of on board with. I wouldn't sort of want to force it on on anyone. But um, I think, yes, you can do abdominal liposuction. And, well, as I say, I don't particularly like doing abdominal liposuction that much myself because of the skin problem. So maybe, again, Vaser is better. Vaser is much more likely to be on local than, than uh, under 
general god i should get a vasor machine I've got vasor work coming out of my ears now I've got all these vasor patients um but yeah it's, you can certainly do vasor and normal liposuction under local and sedation roxana love your reactions to some people's statements and questions so funny oh look at that wow i'm trying i'm trying roxana sarah's gonna look on youtube what am I? Yes, look at my vlog. Follow me. Not don't follow me. Um, subscribe to me. 175 subscribers on YouTube. You heard it. 175, I think. 173 or something. Yeah, my children are very, very proud of me. Right. Um, so, thank you. Glad I got my um, podcast slash YouTube. Sarah, I feel so much more comfortable now having booked Tommy Tuck for October. Good, Sarah good i'm glad about that go for it go for it and uh i'm gonna check out i'm gonna go and have a lie down and thank you very much for all your lovely interaction as ever and you know what i'm gonna be here same time probably on time same place seven o'clock facebook live and sarah thank you thank you uh so if you've got any questions please interact ask questions on it and ask questions beforehand i love i'll try and remember to have a b light implant and a silicone implant uh, so i can show you the difference and uh, not this, i don't know if that's gonna be that interesting because one's a bit whiter than the other one but anyway let's big it up you know big it up for next week if you want to know what a b light implant versus a silicone implant looks like tune in next week and i will be there here to answer your questions so good night and have a lovely dinner and a lovely evening and thank you all for being here and being so pleasant thank you good night have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag ask jj we'd love to hear from you